me growing up, you know, I didn't really have my mom or my dad there. My, my mom was working three three jobs to put food on the table and keep the house over our head. And, you know, at, at, at a, a lot of times I kind of resented her for that. But mm. being a dad myself, I understand that struggle. And, and I, I love her more and more every day for it. I thank God that she was able to have the strength to do that yeah. for us. And I'm forever in debt to her. Shoe Customs, Shoe Restorations, Hip Hop, and Parenting Today. We talk with the local hip hop cobbler to the Long Beach area. We unpack the arts and finding healing in it. We're in the midst of life's happenings and struggles. God is there along the way, guiding, helping, and many times simply cheering us on. We have a wonderful show lined up today, so let's get at it. Welcome to the Breathe Podcast, where we explore the intersection of faith and creativity. We interview artists from all walks of life to discover how faith plays a role in their art and expression, hoping to encourage you to live a life of creativity and faith. And now, your host, poet, writer, and pastor, Eric Ongoy. Yup, yup. Welcome back to the Breathe Faith and Creativity podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, as a continued reminder, please visit the Patreon page under Derek Engoy to support this podcast. We are listener supported, so everything that you hear on the airwaves is made possible by you. And for as little as $1 a month, that's right, $1 a month, you along with the greater community can keep this podcast going. So please, please visit patreon.com forward slash Derek Engoy. We really appreciate the support. Uh, now today we have a very special guest for you. I believe our next guest is probably a person I've known the longest as far as folks who will grace this microphone is concerned. Uh, in fact, I've known our guest since elementary school. So you're talking about a friendship that's more than 30 years strong. He's a, he's a hip hop head. He, he does a lot of work with the youth in the community. He's married and has three lovely daughters. He does graphic work and paintings. Uh, he's somewhat of a superhero in that he's an engineer by day. And most notably, he's a custom shoe designer outside of the nine to five, uh, hip hop cobbler, if you will. He has a shoe shop in downtown Long Beach called Illery. Ladies and gentlemen, it's my honor and privilege of welcoming Ronald Lodovico to the pod. Ron, welcome to the show and thanks for making time to be with, uh, be with us today. What's up? Thanks for having me, man. I, I appreciate the, uh, being on the podcast. Yeah, man. Um, so let's just let's just dive into this. Um, first off, can you tell us a little bit about yourself for those may who may not be able or who may not be familiar with your work? Tell us maybe where you're from, where you've been, what gets you up in the morning, what motivates you, and then toward the end of your description, maybe hone in specifically on your maybe your faith background and how you came to embrace it, as well as talk a little bit about how you got started in shoe designing. All right. Well, my name is Ron Lodovico. Uh, man, I've known Derek for, like he said, over 30 years. Went to elementary school together. And um, a little bit about myself. I'm Filipino-Italian. And shoot, what else is there? Um, I started designing shoes. Well, first off, I'm a shoe head. I'm a shoe head through and through. I don't just collect Nikes or Jordans. I collect them all, Asics, New Balance, and all that good stuff. So I'm a true sneakerhead, and uh, I'm, I'm an artist as well. I don't really like to call myself an artist, but I, I do paint, and you know, for, for my enjoyment and for my relief. You know, back when I was young, my uh, family was really was really poor and broke, and uh, 
how I how I survived and kept my sanity was the art. You know, I mm. read comic books. You know, unfortunately, you know, I couldn't afford them, so I had to rack a couple of comic books <laughs> of my favorite of my favorite artists, Jim Lee, Rob Liefeld, and a couple, you know, amongst others. Comic cult. I, Comic Colt. That's right. Comic Colt, Colton Carson. Uh, you smell like cigarettes and cardboard in there. <laughs> you know, and spend my, my last $2 to purchase a comic book and, you know, try to jack some comic books, you know, when, when I was broke. I'm not, not proud of it, but that's, that's definitely how I started. Um, back to the sneakerhead thing. Um, I would wait in line probably about four or five hours, sometimes even camp out. For, for a pair of kicks and it finally got me realizing like man like even though I'm camping out paying the 100 200 300 dollars for this pair of kicks 40,000 or maybe 50,000 sometimes maybe 250,000 people other people have that same shoe so it got me to thinking like man maybe I should chain a shoe and I could be one of one you know because mm. why try to fit in and stand out yeah, and um, I, I there was a, a sneaker magazine called Sneaker Figure Magazine based in Australia, and they had a contest, uh, a customizing contest. And you know, at that time, I was you know just like Derek, I was in a band, and you know the the name of the band was called ART, Always Really True, mm. and my name in that band was Artillery, um, and I customized a sneaker around the band and. The, the shoe didn't win, but it got in the magazine. And when it got in the magazine, all my friends and all the people who knew me, they started to come to me and say, hey, Ron, can you fix this shoe? Or can, can you paint this shoe? I'm, you know, my, my daughter's birthday is coming up. But, you know, I, I want to get her a custom pair. Hmm. And that was back in, what, 2000, 2005. And since then, it, it's, it's, it's been my, my second business, or basically my first business. And um, uh, I started doing sneaker shows as well, sneaker conventions and stuff like that. Okay. And that's how I got my clientele to open up my first shop. My first shop was in Carson. Mm-hmm. It was called Loaded, which meant living off determination every day, kind of a play off my last name. Because yeah. I, I, I did do it with a couple of cousins. And even though we were open for about four years, and even though that... That um, even though that store was well, I wouldn't say it wasn't successful. It just shut down due to you know money and stuff like that. You know, it was in a bad economy when back in two thousand seven, when no one had really disposable income. Bush was still president, so the, the disposable income wasn't really there. Yeah, but it didn't stop me, and I think that's where my faith comes in because you know sometimes when when we have a dream. And when we take that step back, people see that as a failure. Yeah. When in actuality, it's kind of like a test of how bad do you want it? You know, if mm. it was just because you, you stopped that certain point, that certain chapter doesn't mean it was the end of my book. Yeah. You know, my, my, my dream was to still have a shop and, you know, make my cobbler shop look more like a boutique. And, and that's what I did. Um, and after, you know, even though I closed that shop, I was still doing customs. I was doing a lot of restorations for basketball players and, 
and, uh, you know, uh, artists and, you know, recording artists right from the comfort of my own home. Mm. And the, the, the good thing about it is at that time I was working with the Boys and Girls Club and what they told me at the Boys and Girls Club was, Ron, we want you to basically take what you have, take what you love, and teach it to the kids. You know, I, I wasn't really that, I, I didn't really, I didn't go to college or anything like that, which was one of my regrets, but, you know, what I did teach the kids was how to paint shoes. And it was crazy because you wouldn't even think of the type of kids that it brought together. It brought the, the gangsters in. It brought, mm. it brought, you know, the people that were considered nerds. It brought the cheerleaders. And all of them came. And for that one hour that I was teaching them, you know, we, we were just one collective unit, you know, learning how to do this one thing, basically learning to do this one thing that I had a lot of passion for. And in, in, in a turn, and in turn, it kind of showed those kids have a passion for something. That's good. A lot of those kids I still talk to. And, you know, I don't, work, I don't work for the Boys and Girls Club anymore. Like, like Derek said, I'm, I'm an engineer by day. And, you know, I, I do this right when I get off work. I go open up, like, I, I wake up in the morning at, at 4, go, go to work at 5, get off at 2.30, go to the shop at about 3, open, you know, kind of relax for a minute, and then open up the shop from 4 to 8. So my, my days are, are looking like 14, 15-hour days at times. And, um, you know, when, when you love to do something, it's never work. And I, I feel like God has blessed me with two opportunities to do what I love. Yeah. And I think I'm, I'm really thriving from it. Because when I was young, I played with a lot of Legos. And I told my mom, even though I didn't know what an engineer did, I told her I wanted to be an engineer. Mm. And um, I think with, without the passion for shoes, it wouldn't have led me in, on the engineering path because, well, I wanted to do something with shoes which involved 3D printing. Mm. And one time I went to a, a casino and I won some money. And instead of throwing it back in the casino, I said, you know what? I'm going to buy me a 3D printer out here. And I, I found someone, on, I, I believe it was a offer up or something equivalent. I, I think it was Craigslist. Mm-hmm. And I bought a 3D printer. But I didn't know how to use it. So I, I searched online and I found uh, ICT Tech, you know, a little trade school. And I told the wife, I said, you know, love, I think I want to do this. I think I want to learn how to how to use this 3D printer. And I started taking the course and I told myself, I said, you know, Ron, if, if you're going to do this, do it 100%. You're, you're ready now and, and, and you know, your, your focus is there. Let, let's smash these courses. And when I graduated, I was able to graduate valedictorian in my class and show my kids that doesn't matter what time you go to school or, you know, uh, everyone can, can go to school and achieve what they need to in order to succeed. Yeah. And when I, when, I, when I built this shop, Hillary, uh, the shop that I have now, right when I was going to open the doors, that's when I got the, the offer from this engineering firm, which so happens to be the second largest engineering firm in the world called Jacobs Engineering, who just uh, was acquired by Willie Parsons. So now we're the number one uh, energy, chemical, resource, uh, engineering uh, facility in the world. And that's a blessing because my passion for shoes led me into that direction with 
with engineering and um you know that there's, there's nobody else to thank but god for that No, that's great because, you know, and I'm sure perhaps you can relate, you know, being Filipino myself, you know, my parents never encouraged me to pursue my dreams. They always wanted me to pursue something that was practical. And, you know, as an artist myself, as a musician growing up, that was never encouraged. And what I love about your story, Ron, is that you're living out your dream in a way that's unapologetic and your your kids get to see that. And I just assume as a parent um, and maybe you can speak to this a little bit. I just assume as a parent, you and your wife are champions to whatever dreams your daughters might have. And whether it's a traditional path of a career or untraditional, if you will, um, I, I just imagine you both are super supportive of what they want to pursue. Oh, definitely. Definitely. You know, um, uh, there's a lot of different leadership styles. And my leadership style as a dad is the show and prove style, you know, like, that was one of my worries when I was bringing up my daughters was that, you know, I never went to college and, and my wife never went to college. And I, I didn't want, I know, I never, I know they probably wouldn't, but I just didn't want them to, you know, throw it in our face. Like I don't have to go to college because you guys didn't go to college or anything like that. I, I knew they, they wouldn't because they have, they have a lot of morals and they, they you know, their, their character is, is, is man, they're going to be so much better than, anything that I am right now. And that's what I love about, about the future and our kids is, you know, you, you have, if, if you're lucky enough to have two parents and you have two inputs that go into that child and, um, we just support them in, in whatever they do because me growing up, you know, I didn't really have my mom or my dad there. My, my mom was working three, three jobs to put food on the table and keep a house over our head. And, you know, at, at, at a, a lot of times I kind of resented her for that, but hmm. being a dad myself, I understand that struggle, and, and I, I love her more and more every day for it. And I thank God that she was able to have the strength to do that yeah. for us, and I'm forever in debt to her. That's Whatever good. she needs, I, I provide. And, um, you know, luckily, my, my you know, I, I, I finished uh, the trade school, valedictorian, and and my wife, she just went back to school for at Long Beach City College, and you know she she has her AA, she got that, and now she transferred to Cal State Long Beach, and she's trying to get you know finishing finish up her schooling there, and, and she's passing with the flying colors too. She, I think she had a three point seven or something like that. So that that speaks it speaks volumes to people who say that you know school is not for me. Yeah. If you're if you if those people who say school is not for them, it's kind of saying like. Knowledge is not for them. Mm. Life is not for them. Because, I mean, we're, we're all a learning type of creature. And for someone to say something like, you know, I know everything, those are the people who really know nothing at all. Yeah, that's good. Hey, so let's let's switch gears a little bit and talk specific uh, shoes specifically. What, what would you say is the most complicated design or restoration you've ever done in a shoe? Well, the, the most complicated thing is taking a shoe apart and putting it back together with different material. And that's, it's kind of like that. That's the funnest part for me. I guess you could say like a car enthusiast. There's two different types of car enthusiasts. There's the one who likes the classics. They want their car restored to original, pristine, you know, 
1977 bug or something like that. And then you have those those custom cats, those 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 cats that they they want this car to speak to them. They don't when it comes off the line, they want to paint their color, they want their rims on it, they want their engine in it, and and those are the type of two people, the type of two cats you have in, in the shoe res- restoration custom business. And like I said, doing the the it's called a. Uh, a recon, a reconstruction. Okay. And that's probably the hardest thing to do because you got to take everything apart. You got to make sure everything lines up just like factory and then put it back together with the different materials to yeah. get you back up and all that stuff. Now, do you have a favorite design that you've done? Hmm. I do have a favorite design. My favorite design is a really, <laughs> it's a really classic look. They, they, back in 2007, they made a, Nike Dunk, a Nike SB Dunk called the, the Tiffany or the Diamond Dunk, mm. uh, collabed with Diamond, and basically it had like a croc, croc print, and it had that that Tiffany, Tiffany teal colorway. And for a while, a lot of people were were asking me to do these Air Maxes, the Air Max ninety with that colorway and, and that croc, and that, that was my favorite thing because just those two colors, it was it was black croc with teal oh, it, it set it off man <laughs> just to have it on one of my favorite I'm an Air Max head yeah. as well like as, being a sneakerhead I am yes but my favorite silhouette is the Air Max yeah. for, for me to do that colorway on that shoe it, it was and do it do it a lot I did a lot of those I probably pushed out back in like 2012 I probably pushed out about 30 pairs of those oh wow yeah that's cool. Um, so you roughly have about 13 plus thousand followers on Instagram. I mean, that's a lot of people. I only have like a thousand, you know, and so, but with that number, I'm sure that you have a ton of people from all walks of life, including folks who are more prominent in the public eye. Um, have you ever designed a shoe for someone perhaps who's like famous, a famous celebrity, famous uh, music industry head, or someone who's in the business um, that you were, had the fortunate privilege of meeting? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, well, I, I didn't really get to meet this one particular NBA star. I was it was through his uh, publicist or something, but it was uh, Boogie Cousins. Oh, nice. Uh, from yeah, that's when he was with the Sacramento Kings. And what, what we did was we did a, a LeBron. I think it was a LeBron Ten, the soldier, and we did like a Megatron type of colorway for it since he was with the Kings. Uh-huh. And it's funny because he was going to raffle off. A left, the left shoe and the right shoe, and he he did end up grappling the left shoe and the right shoe. So there was two winners, but he actually got kicked out of the game. <laughs> <laughs> of course, but he won the game. He got kicked out, and then he raffled them off to his uh, to his uh, little uh, beneficiary company yeah. uh, or or nonprofit. Wait, so he wore the shoes that you did in the game? Yeah, dude, that's awesome. And he got kicked out in them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't because of the shoes, of course. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, you, know, you know, Boogie Cousins, that, that year he led the league in, uh, in um, technical fouls. So. Right. Yeah. Um, I mentioned that you're also a huge hip-hop head, and you cannot, you and I can probably sit and argue who the best MC to ever grab a microphone is, uh, given that we're from the same era, but who would you say your favorite MC is, or at least top five? Then that's it's really broad, and you know it all it all depends on on certain criteria. But my my favorite MC, the one who who I could say never disappoints me, 
is black thoughts in the room. Yeah. Every, every, every bar is, man, it's, it's, it, it pleasantly surprises me. And his, his actual show, well, of course with the root, I've seen him live how many times and he never disappoints. Yeah. So I would have to say black thoughts. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree too. I think he, he would be definitely in my top five. Um, right. But he's really good. Uh, so let's dive a little bit. We talked about shoes. We talked about, um, you know, your, your life and, and, and just career goals. We talked a little bit about your family. Uh, but one of the staple questions that we've been asking on the show is how does your faith play a role in your artistic creativity or even the other way around? I'm more of a product of a person who came to faith because of creativity, um, because of me and me and my involvement with poetry and music. You know, I was writing a bunch of stuff that had nothing to do with God, but as I began to explore creativity in life, um, it kind of drew me back to God. How about you? How would you say the two in your life, how, how do they collide with one another? Well, I, I can't have one without the other. Yeah. Every, every time I wake, in the, wake up in the morning, I thank God for giving me giving me another day. And throughout that day, I try to prove to him that mm. I deserve it. Yeah. That I deserve the day that he's given me. And when, when I put my head to bed at night, I thank him for giving me the opportunity. So with, 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 with the way I start the day, go through the day, and end the day, it's all for him. Yeah. Uh, it's good. Um, so sticking in the line of questioning with spirituality and, and maybe even specifically healing, how would you say restoring or doing customs is spiritually healing for you? And perhaps maybe have you ever experienced someone uh, maybe experiencing healing in your customers because of your artistry? Oh, definitely. Um, one of the first major customs I did was for my nephew who passed away. He mm. got hit. He got um, – it was almost – I want to say 12 years ago. His name was JR. And oh. it, it's crazy because he was hit by, uh, by a drunk driver mm. at 11 o'clock in the morning. And he was, in, he was driving and he woke up in the passenger seat on top of his best friend. And um, when, when he passed away, I did a shoot for him. And what it did for me well, on, on the shoe that he wore, that he was buried in, it had, on one shoe, on the back, it had his mom, his dad, and his grandmother. And then on the other shoe, it had two of his best friends and myself. And what it, what it did for me in that time was it allowed me to not only pay homage to a great individual, but to kind of reflect on these people that were in his life, I would have loved to put more people on that shoe over the time constraints I couldn't, but and it was a good healing process because it allowed me to focus focus on him, you know, drawing drawing his face. I did I did shoes for him that he was buried in. I did shoes for myself and a lot of his friends, and on a lot of friends' shoes, it was just his picture over and over again, mm. and you know, it allowed me to heal by you know just. Paying his face and focus. Yeah. No, thanks for sharing that. I know that, uh, you know, death is always a hard thing to talk about no matter how long ago it was. But yeah, thank you for sharing that. that that's really, really grateful for that. Uh, 
Um, yeah. So among other things, right, Jesus, including being loving, being compassionate, being merciful, being for people, especially those who were rejected, um, he, Jesus was also empowering. Right? He encouraged his disciples. He even gave place to women and children in a time where patriarchy was dominant, uh, which we can assume did amazing wonders for people's self-esteem. Um, and if anything, through the process, uh, I'd say it brought people closer to God through his openness and his just willing to embrace people. Now, Again, I know that your daughters help out in the shop from time to time, and if you've done and you've done a lot of work for the Boys and Girls Club in Long Beach, and you always seem to be big when it comes to empowerment and raising up the next generation. Can you can you speak to the correlation between empowerment and perhaps your thoughts on the connectivity that it has with God? Well, we we gotta do as he did, hmm. and when we give back, that, that's that's just a part of it. Yeah. No matter if you have a dollar in your pocket or a, or a million dollars in your pocket, the, the best thing to give is time. You know, the time share. Like, with, with these young kids at the Boys and Girls Club, they have they have, they have no correlation of what a dollar is. Yeah. You know? But they, they know that, hey, last week this guy was here painting shoes with me. You know? They might... And, and, and that, that's the thing. A, a lot of the times, well, a lot of the events that we have at, at my engineering firm, um, whether it's uh, whether it's uh, like a Thanksgiving donation or anything like that, I, I try to funnel that back to the Boys and Girls Club because I, I know where it's needed. You know, there's there's a lot of different organizations out there that do need it, but this, like like I said, this one uh, resonates with me because I've seen the eyes of those kids. I, I've seen. I've seen, I worked in Tor, uh, Torrance Boys and Girls Club, and the, the crazy thing about it is they're about four miles from the beach, mm. and a lot of them have never been. Wow. And they, all they know is that that gang-riddled, you know, four-block radius, you know, that, that they grew up in, that they kind of inherited through, through their folks, because they want them to be in the gang, too, you know? Yeah. And just, just to see them, like, their eyes light up, like, man, this I live right there, and, and I've never seen this before. I've never touched the water over here before. Wow. You know, and that's that's one thing that we have to give back to the kids is the experiences, because you can't aspire to be something unless you've experienced it, kind of, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, back in the days when, when, when you're in uh, elementary school, maybe the fire department comes, or the... Or the, the police department comes, a lot of people, a lot of kids are like, oh, I want to be that. Yeah. Why, why did they say they want to be that? It's because they saw it. Right. You know, and it's crazy because a lot of the kids that, that, that grow up in and see me, they, they kind of put me in that, in that, in that same category. Like, man, I've seen this guy work with the kids. Now he has his own thing. I want to do that. And that's a blessing. Yeah. You know, any, any time you can inspire the kids or, or anybody, you know, they, they don't even have to be kids. They could be, you know, your peers or someone who's older than you saying, man, this guy's doing it. I want to do that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's so good. Uh, we're, we're coming up on time here. So I got a couple of things left. Quick, uh, quick question. Do you have maybe perhaps any additional thoughts or last minute words of advice that you'd like to share with someone out there, maybe about life and art? 
uh, perhaps and just maybe pursuing dreams or something to that effect, maybe last minute thoughts or advice uh, pertaining to that realm? Just, just in the pursuing dreams thing, you just got to keep doing it. There, there, there's a lot of people that, that are going to say it's impossible. but in, And it's not in proving anyone wrong. It's just proving that it is possible because you have the faith and you have the determination to make it possible. That's good. Um, and then before we let you go, uh, can we do a quick lightning round with you? Is that cool? Yeah, so it's the ending segment of our show where we just want to close out and have some fun with with our guests. And, and so I just want to – I'm just interested in getting your quick reactions to – I'll give you a set of two different choices. And then without too much thought, just give me your first reaction to these two choices, yeah? Right. All right, here we go. Kobe sixes, LeBron sixes. Kobe sixes. Jordan threes or Jordan fours? Uh, fours. Yeezys or Cortez's? Cortez. Aerosol or paintbrush? Aerosol. De La Soul or a Tribe Called Quest? Oh, I gotta say Tribe. Beach Street or Breaking? Ah, man. <laughs> I gotta say bah, Beach Street. Red or Blue? Boom, there it is, lightning round, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for playing, Ron. <laughs> you know, thank you for... Yeah, thank and thank you so much for your time. Really quickly, tell us how we can find you on social media and support what you're doing in the community. IG is Hillary, I-L-L-E-R-Y. It's kind of like artillery without the A-R-T. And then we are at 1826 East Broadway, Long Beach, California, 90802. We have no phone number because if we did, it will be off the hook. <laughs> Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, Hillary himself, Ronald Lodovico. Make sure you check him out on social media. Check out his shop in Long Beach. And please, please make sure you rate and review this podcast. Also, head on over to the Patreon page, as we discussed at the top of the show, uh, so we can keep this podcast running. Until next time, be the light, extend your hand in love, and make peace with someone this upcoming week. Stay blessed, and we'll catch you next time. Peace. Peace.